Hello, and welcome to the Uneasy Train Explorers Club, the place where curiosity is welcomed and no topic is too taboo to tread. I'm your host, Jonathan Doe, and I'm sitting here over Skype with the legendary Martin Trafford, an artist who has very quickly become the face of the cinema underground. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm even better after that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that. Well, for, for the people listening who may not be familiar with who you are, you are the artist who does all of the cover art for all of the, my Vile Video Productions releases, and you've also done cover art for all labels within the underground. You've done stuff for Marian Dora, Jörg Berkerite. You've done stuff for Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Ferox. You have your art all over the place, and... Uh, and I think anyone who has seen your work will go, that looks familiar. And if once they re- can recognize that that is a Martin Trafford piece, then they'll notice notice you everywhere. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to sit and talk um, because you your 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 work is just uh, is prolific within the underground. I think at this point. And so I want to kind of start from the beginning with uh, what got you into uh, underground cinema. Um, well, I think, well, definitely the first underground movie um, or sort of extreme underground movie I ever saw would have been uh, Necromantic. Um, and that would have been, it was not long after Necromantic 2 was released and the only way I could find it in the UK um, was via dodgy bootleg VHS 15th generation copy. You know, you go to a car boot sale and buy it from the back of the van sort of thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, and the guy that sold me it, I didn't know anything about the movie, um, and he he advertised it as being like these mad Germans that were actually like fucking corpses, and <laughs> <laughs> and so I went I went into the movie thinking it was like a hundred percent the things that were done in there were real, and um, and Jörg, you know, mixing in sort of real animal cruelty and things within within the movie as well sort of throw, throws you off a little bit um and, and that's the reason for it uh, but yeah that that sort of blew my mind and from from there i, I had to learn more about Jorg and um eventually tracked him down and started harassing the poor man <laughs> <laughs> but that, that would have been the first one and then then i think um because that that was at a point in in history in the UK where the, the whole video nasties thing was, was still, you know, it was still a thing in the early nineties. It was illegal to own certain tapes and we used to trade a lot from the back of magazines and things like that. And, uh, and I'd, I'd started collecting the video nasties, the DPP 39 list, uh, on VHS. And, um, through that trading, I, I sort of eventually put the word out that I wanted a copy of, uh, a, you know, a legal copy of Dertoldis King, um, which you could only get at the time from, um, I think it was Head Press magazine in the UK. They they put a version out. Um, but yeah, long long story short, I, I eventually got York's home address um, by chatting to people uh, via classified ads in the back of magazines. <laughs> Old school. Yeah. I think that there's a, a, a charm, almost like a, a magic to uh, being being in that, that period of time and watching for the first time a lot of these films on a, a multi-generation uh, VHS bootleg because it does make those yeah. effects look that much more powerful. And I already think that the special effects in Necromantic are really good, but I can only imagine uh, seeing it uh, on, a, on a third or fourth generation and then you incorporate the animal cruelty stuff, which it's not something I condone, but it makes the magic the magic trick of illusion so much more powerful when mm. you've got real things happening next to fake things, and it kind of blurs the line between wh- where wh- where does the where does the prosthetic begin and where does the real stuff end? You know? Yeah, yeah, and and Yorg's corpses look like it, even in you know relatively high definition now on, on blu-ray they they still look convincing they did a good job with those yeah a lot of the like the stills from like necromantic 2 and stuff that they have look like you yeah. can just post that in a real gore 
like website and it would look real yeah yeah the, especially the photograph of uh of monica laying on the bed with the head and sort of a candid photograph from a distance i think he released um a copy of that still with one of the dvd copies recently there was a, a bunch of them it could have been the arrow release actually yeah well yeah. i, I definitely that, yeah that picture that's yeah it's, it's a powerful image for sure um mm. i do want to get into your relationship and work with Jorg, but before i get there i kind of want to start from the beginning with you as an artist of like what got you into doing art and how did you end up developing the craft that you have yeah well the the, the art started very early on um I, I i think it was always a bit of an escape for me growing up um as soon as i found out i could you know sit with a a pen and piece of paper and, and just sort of create a face or an airplane or something, you know, that, that sort of magic, um, that, that weird alchemy that happens when you start realizing that you can actually draw things and create things that look like stuff. Um, I, I really got the bug quite early on and you know, I, I used to sit in front of Hammer Horror movies. Um, my mother used to record them on VHS, and I'd sit and watch those as a kid and draw the creatures. And and the, and the more more horrible the drawing was, the, the more of a reaction it got from people, and the more <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> so that's kind of the the embryo of where I went later with my create creative career. Um, but I, I did end up. Um, oh, actually the one of the things that really got me interested in in art um which was sort of you know sort of pop culture stuff at the time there was a a comic book in the uk in the 80s called scream comics and it was a little bit like the old ec tales from the crypt style comics in america mm -hmm. um it was the british version of that so that i think it only lasted about 14 issues um because the, the legend goes that uh, it was upsetting parents too much, so they they had to stop <laughs> printing these comics. Um, so I managed to collect them all again in later years, but that that really got me interested in in uh, narrative art, um, sort of comic style art as well. Um, you know, not only can I draw these horrible things, but I can then create a story using those those pictures. That that fascinated me. And then, uh, yeah, I guess the whole sort of VHS boom was happening when I was growing up as well, um, early 80s. So go, going to VHS stores and seeing all the posters and the, the covers on the VHS, um, that, that was like, you know, kid in a candy store stuff. I couldn't get enough of that. Um, and I used to be one of the kids that hassled the owners of the stores for the posters when they were done with them. And, take them home and you know cocoon myself in my room with all these fantastic horrible posters <laughs> so I, yeah so that's that's probably where it started oh and that's that's how i found the art of graham humphreys as well he's a, a great british uh, horror artist for um he's still working uh very heavily in in, in horror he's, he's done tons of arrow video covers and and he, he sort of did the uh, original Evil Dead um, poster art and the, the old Nightmare Elm Street ones. I don't know if he got those versions of those covers in, in the States, but um, in, in the UK it was everywhere. And I, that, that man's work was, was a big eye-opener for me. I thought the man was a genius. I still think the man's a genius. Um, so I used, I used to sort of, you know, get get the video magazines and the posters, and then and then sort of try and draw and redraw uh, Freddy Krueger in his style, and you know, just try and emulate his line work and and how he picks up light on certain surfaces and things. I'm, I'm nowhere near that, but you know, that's that was sort of my schooling in in horror art, anyway. Yeah. And then, then later when I when I quit school at sixteen, I went straight to art college and. And dosed around for four years. <laughs> <laughs> Came out with a useless degree. That's what you do. Uh, did you Did you feel like going to art school was like 
taught you anything that you wouldn't have learned on your own? Um, it, it did. Yeah, it, it taught a lot. Um, a lot of the the fundamentals, like you know, perspective and shading and color balance and all that stuff. Um, stuff that I wasn't really that interested in, but I knew I had to learn to get good. <laughs> uh, and they, I mean, they were the best years of my life out of college. It was just a blast, the whole thing. I was getting to do exactly what I wanted to do every day, you know, with like-minded people, um, and then subject them all to my horrible movies in the evenings. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think I probably would have kept going without art college. Um, but I, I went to art college with the belief that, you know, that's kind of what you had to do to then earn money with your art. Um, there's no, nobody from where I came from was, was earning any money through art. I didn't know any artists, um, which should have been a big red flag, really. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I sort of came out of art college with a degree and then couldn't do anything with it. Couldn't get an in-house job anywhere. Um, tried freelancing for a few years and sort of got that beaten out of me. So I, I sort of put the pens down for a few years after that. Um, and yeah, pro- probably if it weren't for um, for working with Jorg, I wouldn't have bothered starting again. It's weird. It was a strange time. So was it with Jorg's Brookerite that you first actually started like making art? Like, I'm curious about how the process between you graduating school and you starting to make cover art and stuff for for films how did that mm. begin yeah well that that the first film related stuff i would have done was was for your um and then that just started by me uh constantly sending in fan art to the point that he sort of caved in and said you know i'm, I'm working on this movie called shram it'd be good if you could do a, a cover for the making of VHS for me or, you know, and, and do a, an official T-shirt. He needed a T-shirt design doing. So, yeah, I was I was all over that, like a tramp on chips. Like, <laughs> I already, like, knew the man was great. Um, and to get to work with him, this is when I was still just about finishing art college um, after I'd started writing to him. So that was that was my first, you know, real commercial break in doing horror art um anything related to movies that's pretty incredible that you actually uh got to make make art for shram like during during its actual release that's pretty incredible yeah it was really cool he kept sending me sort of you know newspaper clippings and articles and um i think at the time david kerekes was writing uh, sex murder arts and then he was there doing a piece on on the making of shram so Jörg had sent me, the, you know, all the early, um, early press releases and, and bits of writing from David before the book came out. So yeah, it was really cool to sort of be there for that, that process of, him, you know, finishing off. I think it was probably about halfway through, nearly finished when when I'd started talking with him. So that piece um, that you did, what what does it look like? The what? Sorry. The very first piece that you did for Jörg, what what did it end up looking like? Oh, um, well, the initial fan art stuff I sent him was like, cause I, I was really into sort of psychedelic music and garage psych pop when I was at art college. So I, I sort of, I did my version of his characters with a sort of psychedelic edge. Um, and he, he really sort of resonated with that. And, and that's how he asked me to start doing the other work. But the, the first official... Uh, I think it was the VHS cover I may have done first. And um, I've still got somewhere the, the first version I did, which wasn't passed because um, it had too much black. And as he said to me at the time, he photocopies everything. It was all DIY. <laughs> so the photocopier would have caved in after about 10, 10 copies of this thing. Too much black on it. So we didn't use that one. And then I did another version, which he did go ahead and use. Um, and it was sort of the, uh, I think it was the top of Lothar Schramm's head, uh, split open and spilling out. Uh, I had Monica M in there and I had 
Bjorg with his camera. And I had the vagina monster, of course, and the um, the blow-up doll that was in there. Um, it was very, very crude looking back on it now. Um, but Jörg loved it. And then, yeah, because of that, he asked me to do the T-shirt design as well. Um, and, and that one, I, I remember just um, trying to uh, pick out certain images within the film um, that would resonate with a glance. That, you know, that would tell the picture of the film or the story of the film through one picture. So I, I probably crammed a bit too much in there, which I still tend to do now and again. Um, so I, I had Shram sort of holding the blow-up doll and, and there were nails around him and, and the leg at the bottom, the severed leg. Um, which again, now looking back, I, I know I could do way better. Um, but, you know, back then as a 15-year-old, however old I was, that was, uh, that was a big thrill. And that was probably the best I could do at the time. <laughs> and that, that was a time I worked predominantly with biro pens as well. I only worked with, um, you know, Biro's writing pens. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't afford any technical pens or anything at the time. <laughs> so I, was, I was doing all my art with Biro's. Uh, it, it seemed to work. It was quite a punk aesthetic, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that uh, DIY has kind of a look, you know, and I think that sounds like, I mean, I haven't seen the piece, but especially with how Jorg was photocopying things like that, it seems like it probably fit with the aesthetic um, yeah yeah but i but my i have a question you were talking about uh listening to like psychedelic music and that was like an inspiration for you and you definitely have kind of a look to your art there's uh, i noticed that with some of the pieces that you've done for me that there's a lot of uh almost like a lot of different figures that are kind of like blending together and I was wondering, mm-hmm. where did the inspiration from that come from? Did that come from you listening to the, that psychedelic music? Like, you have you have an aesthetic and look to your art, and I was wondering where the inspiration of that is. Yeah, yeah, I'd say a lot of it is is taken from those early days of, um, yeah, trying to weave the, the psychedelia and the surreal in, into the artwork. Um, so I was a big fan of, of pop arts, 60s pop arts, and the, sort of the... the almost very early clip and paste look of a lot of it um, and the collage effect. So I, I still use that sort of collage effect in my work um, and the bright poppy colors, of course, and, you know, everything's meant to be sort of disposable. Um, and, the, and the psychedelic music as well, definitely. Uh, psychedelic artists, a lot of the, the sort of sixties uh, underground magazine artists, um, my, my art teacher actually um, was uh, a really well-known psychedelic artist in the 60s. Um, so he, he painted John Lennon's Rolls-Royce, the psychedelic Rolls-Royce. Wow, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, Paul McCartney's piano. I think he lived with Paul McCartney for a while and, and then lived with, <clears throat> lived with Ringo Starr in the 60s and sat in on the recording of Sgt. Pepper and stuff, so... He was a big influence on on a lot of uh, the direction of, of my art in the early days as well, being my teacher and all. Um, so yeah, and and, and then a, a big part of the '60s psychedelic art scene harkens back to the 1920s sort of Art Nouveau stuff as well. Um, my uh, Alphonse Mucha and um, artists like that, Gustav Klimt that kind of thing. So I, I, that sort of soaked its way through the pores as well somewhere and, um, and became part of my style, I guess. I mean, it's still strange to me that people say I do have a style because I still can't see that, I guess. Being the person that makes it, I don't see that. But it does make me happy that people think I've got a style. I think you definitely have the the way you structure things it's almost like a it's almost like a signature almost like you see it and you're like oh that's a trafford piece for sure and uh yeah it's a it's a compliment because it's 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 so unique that it's it doesn't your work doesn't get lost in the sea of other movie posters you know like it's it, it stands yeah. out and i think that's one of the reasons why you're so successful with what you're doing and why you've gotten so much attention is that you may you're not making generic things you're making things that are very unique 
Um, so. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no problem. Um, I'll take that. But uh, kind of continuing on with our discussion with Jörg Berkerite, uh you've also done pieces for more recent releases of his work. Um, specifically, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, cult epics that did did uh, Necromantic and Necromantic Two, if I'm correct. You did work for them. There was I might I might be wrong, but there were some uh, recent releases of Necromantic that I saw your work in. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so the 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 Arrow Video Special Edition Blu-rays that came out, uh-huh. I um I did a, a few pieces of art um, for the booklets in those, and then yeah, Cult Epics got in touch um, about the uh, Necromantic Necromantic Two. Uh, VHS limited VHS releases, which they did sort of really beautiful big chunky box, um, like cardboard box releases with the VHS inside and T-shirts and pins and things. Um, so I, I sort of accidentally got on board with the first one because um, it was some work I'd already done for somebody else that then uh, was used for that. Um, but then through that, I, I got to do the Necromantic Two and. Part of that release, I included the um, the comic that Jorg and I did, The Son of Necromantic, which was the, the only official sequel to Necromantic 2 at the moment. Um, and then I did the Der Todesking uh, big box release as well, um, which was an even bigger thrill because I, I got to create uh, full-size um, prints. So I did a piece of art for every day of the week um and that was all included in that and yeah that that was a big thrill because i i sort of took the uh i took inspiration from the horror artist gary pullin um one of the things he does is he, he tries to find uh, a different angle to familiar pieces um so i was i was trying to sort of approach every piece of art from an angle you may not have seen it before um so, for example, for the for the Tuesday scene where the guy shoots the the girl in the head, um, I, I did the whole piece from the point of view of the the guy that was shooting. Um, so I just tried to flip everything around a little bit and make it a bit more interesting. That's that's really cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dirt Hudsking's one of my favorite. It's probably my favorite film of his, and. Uh... I really like that that film has been getting some really good releases because for a long time it was pretty, it was in, at least in the States, it was one of the more obscure films of his releases. And it's pretty cool yeah. that you, you had such a, it, such involvement in, in giving the film. It's kind of, I, I'm really, I'm really into people archiving films and, um, and giving mm-hmm. these films kind of like a respectful, uh, release. And it's cool that you got to be a part of that process. Yeah, yeah, I was so happy. Like it's a big full circle thing, you know, mm-hmm. to then be be at this point in my life and be able to to create art for all of his movies, pretty much. Um, yeah, big thrill. Well, it seems like uh, you have a pretty good relationship with Jörg Bukare and uh, with all the stuff that you've done with him, and I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in hearing kind of who he what he's like as a person i was wondering if you could give us any insight on what it's like to work with jorg yeah yeah well i mean i'm, I'm biased because he's a friend but you know he's um he's, he's very professional he's always very professional um you, you sort of need to get to know him a little bit before he, he sort of opens up and starts laughing and joking with you um but he, he he's a very smart very savvy guy um you know, he's from the punk era, so he's he's a huge agitator. That's that's why he made Necromantic, and um, you know, he likes to stir up authority, and um, and he, and he's got a big sort of grounding in in the Berlin punk era, and and everything that went on there. He's he's a huge Godzilla geek, so <laughs> you know, the guy's a massive geek when he starts talking to him as well, um, which I love because I'm a huge geek. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've only actually met him in person once, um, which was right at, at the start when I was doing the Shram t-shirt design. I, he he um, went to a film festival 
in London called uh, the Schlachtfest, which was a, a German film festival. So he, he invited me to go there and meet him. So I went and got to meet him and Monica M and uh, Manfred Jelinski, the producer. Um, and that that's documented on, on uh, I think it's the uh, SRAM release. Um, I, I supplied the, the video, the only video evidence that any of that ever happened. So that you can see that on the SRAM, Arrow release of SRAM. Um, but yeah, in, in meeting him, you know, I was a nervous 15-year-old kid and <laughs> we just had a, a little bit of a chat, a bit of a brief chat. Um, but then over the years, we sort of kept in touch and uh, via email and snail mail. Um, and I've sort of gotten to know him and, and um, you know, we, we chat fairly often. We, we had a, a really great... Um, um skype chats when we were trying to nail down the final chapter of, of the necromantic three comic book um because we both sort of knew where it was going but uh but we couldn't quite pin down how to end it um so you know face to face other than that first discussion in person um that was the next time we'd actually managed to, to speak to him and uh we must have been talking three or four hours and my my ex-wife at the time was was in bed and, and she got up in the morning and said, um, how long were you talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> <laughs> she, I was talking to Arnie. <coughs> so you um, so your work with him goes beyond just doing illustrations for things. You're actually involved in the narrative process of the comic books mm. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, the comic was... Uh, I, I had the idea for it in 2011 when it was the 25th anniversary of, of Necromantic 2. Um, so I just hit him up and said, look, I've got this idea. I'll, I'll, I'll make a start on it and see if you like where it's going. Um, so I did the first couple of pages and he, and he loved it. But then um, he wanted to make a start on his Captain Berlin character. Um, so he'd already done a, a stage play of Captain Berlin and uh, fans of his will know that Captain Berlin shows up a few times in his very early short movies. So um, uh, an artist in Germany called Rainer Engel, um, he'd already created uh, a short comic book for the DVD release of the stage play of Captain Berlin. Um, so the idea was that I would then create uh, a further comic book um, for his uh, website, I think he just started on, on Facebook and his website at the time. So um, I, I wrote a story um, based on a couple of ideas of his and that ended up being, uh, with Rainer Engel's comic book, um, ended up being issue one of Captain Berlin. And, and then since then I've, I've you know worked on a few issues with him um, and we back and forth a lot on storylines and ideas. Um, but the biggest thrill was working on the Necromantic comic book because then after that, um, he had enough interest from the fans that he said, right, let's do the comic. So I sort of sat and wrote down a sort of bare bones idea of what I thought, where I thought the story should go. And um, uh, one of the biggest thrills in my life was that York called it absolute genius. And then we sort of took it from there together, sort of fleshing out the rest of the idea. And it's, it's a shame that he'll never see celluloid. You know, he's, he's just, um, he's been so jaded by, by piracy over the years that he's, he's fully aware that as soon as he puts something down on film and tries to make any money from it, it's going to be pirated online immediately. So there's, there's no money in it for him. And, you know, why, why would you put yourself through that? Well, that's... I fully understand, but, yeah... That's incredible that you had that opportunity to work with him and the fact that he said that what like complimented all the work that you've done is that's got to be a good feeling. It really sucks though. I I was curious why he hasn't picked up a camera again, but that makes sense. So. Yeah, well he he did the anthology movie German Angst um with uh Michael uh oh Kawazinski, I don't know, I'll slaughter his name, and, and the um, original artist of the necromantic poster, mm -hmm. um, whose name 
slips my mind right now, which is terrible. But yeah, he did that anthology, and that, that was sort of crowdfunded. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I asked him afterwards, you know, if we could crowdfund Necromantic 3, is that something you'd be into? And apparently that whole experience of crowdfunding um, really dissuaded him. Uh, he, he didn't he didn't like the idea of doing that anymore because at the end of the day, after everybody else was paid, they still got no money from it. So yeah, uh, it's just kind of a fruitless endeavor for him, really. Yeah, I, I don't blame him at all. I mean, yeah. that's the case with me with Barf Bunny. Like people bought Barf Bunny, but um, I got a message from a couple people uh, almost as like a fuck you to me, like, "Hey, I watched your film and I didn't pay for it." And uh, uh, it doesn't. I mean, I I kind of expect it. You know, it's it's whatever. But uh, it does. I think people don't recognize that uh, the impact that that has. You know, like we have. You got mm-hmm. Yorg, who's like a legend within the extreme underground, and he's discouraged from making films because of that kind of behavior, and that sucks. Yeah, yeah, which is why it was great after so many years to see, um, you know, I, th- I think it was Ewan Kant, who works for Arrow Video, he he really pushed um, the agenda with Arrow to, to get Necromantic out there. Um, and that, that, that was... A real big boost for your because finally I think you managed to, you know, see see a bit of cash from these movies. And, <laughs> and the Arrow releases are so beautiful. Like they, honestly, like I almost feel like Arrow is doing a better job at uh, than like Criterion sometimes with the releases that they put out. So, oh yeah, Arrow were fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty awesome. Um, but so you started out. Uh, doing work for your book, right? How did it evolve from working with him to you doing pro- doing work for other films? Um, well, I'd, I'd say there was a bit of a lull for a while. I was I was doing little bits here and there, and um, you know, commercial work, um, and not getting paid much money for it. So I, I ended up having to sort of you know get a day job, as most of us have to, um, to pay the bills. And it wasn't actually until I moved to Australia in 2011 um, that I found I had the time to really um, get back into the... Well, I had no choice other than to get back into the social scene online um, because I didn't know anybody out here. So I, I really started finding a you know a group of um, like-minded friends online and, and through that... Um, early Kickstarter campaigns for movies and things. So I'd, I'd just, you know, um, get in touch with directors that had campaigns starting and saying, you know, I'll, I'll happily do some promotional artwork for you and, you know, you, we'll work out payment later. It's not a big deal sort of thing. Um, so I'd say more since since 2011, since being in Australia, I've really... Um, it's really taken off. I've had a lot more time on my hands to be able to to dedicate to art again, um, and you know it's, it's been a lifesaver really getting back into the arts. And I'd I'd say from from 2011, from starting back at it, I've constantly been working on something, um, which is great because I'm the kind of person that you know if if I put the pen down for a day. Um, I really find it hard to to get the motivation to start again. Uh, so the the best the best way of working for me is to have jobs lined up and just keep at it. <coughs> but I'd say I think one of the um, the earliest, more sort of extreme um, directors I started to work with again would have been Scott Scherner. Um, because I'd, I'd just seen Found at the time and, and it started this Kickstarter for Headless. Um, and I, and I, was a, I still am a huge fan of Found. I think it's a pretty much flawless indie horror movie. Um, people complain about the acting, but, you know, it is what it is. It's an indie movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I built up a friendship with Scott and, and just started doing a lot of promotional material for Headless and... Um, and from there, that sort of, because he started mentioning me online and talking about my, my relationship with, with Jorg, um, I, d- I discovered a lot of people already sort of knew me, 
um, which was very weird for me. Um, but it was a good thing because it, it sort of, it gave me a, a kick in the ass to, to get moving again with the art and start creating again. Uh, so I've got Scott to thank for sort of re rebooting that for me. Um, but then, yeah, from there it sort of snowballed really. I've, I've, uh, I've been lucky enough to work with, with a lot of people um, that I really admire myself. Yeah, that's, a, that's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope it keeps going, but you know, we've all got a shelf life. <laughs> <laughs> One person that you've done a lot of pieces for is Marian Dora, and I was wondering how you got involved with him and, and uh, what, you, what your relationship is like with him. Yeah, yeah, well, Marian's an, another great guy. Um, I, I think the first art I would have done related to that was um, in uh, uh, one of Sam Hell's previous incarnations. He was, um, I think he was Molly Walsh. No, he was a Lost Witch video at the time. Um, and, and he got in touch with me to create some art to help with his, his VHS release of Cannibal. So I, I just created a, a sort of piece that almost looks like a tattoo. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and he sent some copies to to Marion and, and Marion loved it and sort of sent me a few DVDs and wrote me a few messages um, uh, only via, on, via snail mail, via paper <laughs> so I, I had no way to get in contact with him myself and, and you know I know what a private guy is so I didn't want to push him um, but then after that um, I did the cover art for Magnus, Magnus Blondahl's uh, documentary revisiting Melancholy de Engel. Mm -hmm. um, so I, that, uh, that was released by Black Lava. Um, so I did the cover art for that and then heard back again that, that Marion really liked it. And that was a big thrill. Um, and then I worked for um, a German company called MTM, um, which saying saying their company name now is a bit like swearing unfortunately because of what happened with the last release yeah uh, but they they got in touch and and he said you do you like Marion Dora and I think I'd, I'd already just done uh, a cover for uh, Diodato's cut and run for that company um, so I, yeah then he got in touch and said do you like Dora we're gonna release Cannibal so that's when I, I did the, the Cannibal cover art, which was then used by um, PCM, uh, Diabolic DVD. They, they released the version with um, my artwork. Um, and then since then, I've, I've gone to do uh, Melancholy de Engel. Um, and I have done Cannibal and Voyage to Agathis a long time ago, but they're, they're coming soon uh, through Diabolic. Um, but then after, after that, I, um, I can't remember who could have been Rene Weisner. He probably was Rene. He, he, um, gave me Marion's direct contact details. So I, I started messaging Marion and, and through that Marion offered me the job of, uh, creating the artwork for his latest double feature, um, and I, I found from uh, speaking with, with Marion, or, you know, at least on, online, um, that he's, he's, a very, he's got a very singular vision. Um, he knows exactly what he wants. He knows what the, end, what the end product needs to be, and he will guide you to get to that. Um, I imagine that's what he's like with, with his actors, because um, he was very much like that with the art. He had specific... Uh, um, requirements as to colours and images and what goes where and, and we back and forth quite a lot until we got to the final version um, and, and that was a pretty good working experience because I, I actually kind of like it when, when I'm challenged a little bit sometimes and you know if I've done something wrong I'm, I'm quite happy to be called on it and then I'll try and go in and correct that and that's, that's all part of the learning curve really 
And so what um, release was it that you were actually working alongside him <coughs> in terms of guidance? Was that so the that recent... Was, Go ahead. That was the, uh, yeah, the double feature, um, the earning of Mario D and the Blight of Humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Um, I just wanted I, to make sure. Yeah, I, I don't know that I can't pronounce the German title. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how many people think I am German, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I get messages all the time in German. <laughs> So I've done so many artworks with German people. Um, you mentioned uh, doing uh, Roger Diodato's Cut and Run, and you've done artwork for Cannibal Holocaust, and you've done artwork for um, Umberto Lenzi's Cannibal Ferox. How did you get involved in those projects? Um, well, those projects were actually um, via MTM, I think, from memory. Um uh, the, the CEO of that company had another guy that was going to release them on, on Blu-ray. Um, so he hit me up and said, you know, do you want to do these? And I was like, fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're two of my favorite movies ever. So yeah, I, I did the artwork and then in the end, um, there, there was a bit of back and forth and, and it turned out that uh, the guy wasn't going to release them. So it unfortunately fell through. I, they didn't actually get an official release. Um, so I've, I, I got a few posters printed up through my friend um, Acid Brain in America. Mm -hmm. um, so he, he sells those for me. Um, but it was still a big thrill to do it. I just wish it had gone to completion. And, you know, I had a DVD on the shelf with that. Yeah. I'm a very, I'm a very selfish man. I just want, <laughs> I want a shelf full of, uh, you know, DVDs with my artwork. On. <laughs> I don't <laughs> blame you. I... I have a whole shelf of just stuff that I've done. It's like it's nice to remind yourself, like, oh, I did that, I did that. <laughs> yeah, I've done a thing. <laughs> you can't take one away from me. <laughs> Do you know the status of MTM? Are they gone? Like, I know that that whole the the Dora release kind of fell apart and was a thing, but I don't know if that company's even still around or anything. Yeah, I'm not sure. I I, I think that the double features have just been released as two separate in, in Germany. I, I don't know if, I think MTM's label is on there, but I don't know if that's MTM. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a shame because I, I like Mario Cole, the, the CEO. We, we got on really well. Um, but there was, there was so much, you know, conjecture about what, what, what was going on behind the scenes. Um, yeah, I just, you know, you stay out of that stuff. <laughs> but I, I think I think they may have gone under now. Yeah. And then uh, also with us talking, you mentioned Renee Weisner, and that's how you and I actually got in contact with each other. Was I was mm. uh, putting out Vile Video's release of his pulp films, and you did the art for that. And I was wondering, how did you get in contact with Renee? Um, it, I was trying to remember the other day when I first started talking to Renee. I think he got in touch. Um, I think he just got in touch out of the blue, just to say hi and have a chat, and and you know because I I do crop up on these uh, German sites quite often. Um, I think he'd worked with Jorg on the ABCs of superheroes. Um, that was his first film that he'd been involved with, and I, I think when he got in touch with me was when he was first starting to work with Marion Dora on uh, The Blight of Humanity. Um, she told me he'd been working, he'd been going to work. You know, he'd been that day and he'd been in the woods and he'd been doing this thing with Marion. Um, so, yeah, we, we just, I don't know, we struck up a friendship quite quickly. And, um, and from there, he started, you know, confiding in me that he'd been making the odd small film here and there and, and would I be interested in doing art for it? So, yeah, yeah, I... He was, he was a nice guy. He still is. <laughs> Even though he hassles me about me misspelling his name every time I write it down. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. And he, and he, I think it was Adio, Adio Womo. Adio Womo. I don't know how you say that in Italian. Mm -hmm. um, that was the first film that I did art for. And, uh, and he was really thrilled with what I came up with. So um, from then on, he's, he's really kept me on, you know, um, as you did, thankfully, as <laughs> resident artist. 
everything everything he needs doing, he gets in touch with me and asks me to do it for him, and I'm and I'm glad to, because um, yeah, he's he's another one of those filmmakers that I I just I like to um, support in any way I can. So um, by by association, you know, it's the thrill. Yeah, I mean, uh, Renee is a. Uh, I think a really important figure within the underground. He's like keeping, I just actually just, he's the last person I had on my podcast before you. And we talked about all his work. And uh, I think you've done the art that you did for his stuff is amazing. Like I really, my favorite one is for Mondo Siam, just because the references to Mondo uh, Kane that you did, like that was awesome. Mm -hmm. But I also really like what you did for Michael as well. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I had a, I had a lot of fun with that one. <laughs> yeah, and again, like Dora, he's he's got a very singular vision about some of the artwork he wants. Like the uh, the Mondo Siam, he he obviously wanted it as a, a direct reference to to Jacopetti's Mondo Cane, and and uh, I think he he wanted certain images portrayed on the cover, but I think I had free reign as to a lot of them. Um, but yeah, he, he had a few ideas and yeah, I think I executed them. Okay. <laughs> he probably only got to, got back to me six or seven times with changes. <laughs> uh, I, I, this is just curious. I won't get offended at whatever you say, cause I'm still going to do whatever I'm going to do. But like with, with the work that we've done together, sometimes I give you free reign to do whatever. And then sometimes I'm like specific about stuff like the degenerates. I wanted it to be an homage to aftermath but then like barf bunny was kind of like free reign do you like having just absolute freedom or or do you like getting direction better or does it matter from project to project yeah project to project i I tend to find it makes my life a lot easier if if um somebody does have you know even a vague idea of the direction they want to go in um so like the the degenerates one, and I think I did the the first Polaroid one first, didn't I? Yeah, you did. And then I did the second, yeah, the cover image one. Um, but I, I love the fact that that was a direct reference to uh, Aftermath, um, and I I really enjoyed doing that one. But it's it's yeah, it doesn't really bother me either way. It, it makes things a little easier when when I've got direction, um, but at the same time too much direction you know it goes the other way uh but it's it's nice i mean working in in the indie scene anyway i i get a lot of free reign um so you know i I do get to express myself in other ways you know with other jobs and you know it's it's a bit of column a and a bit of column b really um you know as long as i'm working i'm happy yeah (laughs) Um, within the body of work that you've done and the different projects you've done, what are some of your f- personal favorite pieces? Oh, um, well, I, I really like the, uh, I think I mentioned already the Cult Epics Totus King art cards that I did. I really enjoyed doing those. I'm, I'm really proud of those. Um, the, uh, there's one Necromantic 2 image that I did for, their Blu-ray slip, um, which was a sort of almost like a playing card idea where it works either way, upside or downside. And it was uh, Monica on top of Rob, Monica on top of um, Mark. I really liked that image. Um, I did a piece for uh, Nathan Hine for the the Sidling Hill uh, that he kind of wanted as a homage to the Dawn of the Dead poster. So I, I took that and worked with it, and that, that came out really well. Um, there's a piece I did for uh, Luke Ramers, the, the taxidermist, um, which technically, looking at it, isn't amazing, but I really enjoyed how the image turned out. Um, Barf Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> I love Barf Bunny. That cover is awesome. Um, what else? Oh, there's one I did for, it was a poster for a, a project that's as yet unmade, um, which uh, Dan Yeager hired me to do. He was Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he wanted a poster for 
for a movie he's he's trying to get funding for called Zombie Bear Attack, and uh, <laughs> and that was actually really challenging to work on, um, um, because he he's sort of from the the Hollywood system of doing things. You know, he's um, he's got he, he knows what he wants and he's going to keep going until he gets it. And, and that was a really interesting working experience because it taught me quite a lot. And, and in the end, the, the image I was really pleased with. Um, I probably wouldn't have been as pleasing if I'd not had that direction, had that push from him. Um, so the zombie bear attack, I was really happy with as well. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tricky because, you know, like, like most other artists, I bet as soon as you've done something and it's out there, you're not happy with it. <laughs> you want to redo it or take it away again, but you can't. Do you have pieces that you've done that you, you would do differently? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> takes a swig of red wine. Here we go. <laughs> we don't have to Definitely. name specific, specific stuff if you don't want to. Um, no, no, because this this was a learning experience for me as well. <laughs> Unless I'm waffling too much. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, go for, go for it. <laughs> um, I did a piece for eighty eight films in the UK. The company, um, I'd, I'd got in touch with them to try and get a bit of work, but it was at it was at a time where I was really trying to push myself and and like get some bigger companies interested in what I was doing. Um, and personally in my life, it probably wasn't a good time to be doing it, but I, I got in touch with them and, and they hired me to do, um, cover art for one dark night, um, the old eighties movie. Mm -hmm. They were going to release that. So I, I sort of bashed this thing out in a night. I thought I'll, I'll show them I can work really fast. They'll be really happy with this. Um, cause they had to have it back quickly anyway. And I thought, well, here's my deadline, I'm going to exceed it. I'm going to get it done as quickly as I can. And in retrospect, it looks shit. And as, <laughs> as soon as it was put online, uh, I, I got another whole tour for me by the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was awful. It was a real awful experience. It was the first time I'd had anything out there that, you know, really provoked a, not the kind of negative reaction I enjoy. <laughs> So were, so, were yeah, the people that who saw it? Really wasn't happy with. So was the customer not happy with it also? No, the customer loved it. Oh, they okay. were like, I can't, I can't understand the backlash. We really like it. <laughs> so they they still included it as an inlay slip, but it didn't get the cover in the end. Um, but yeah, that again, that was you know that taught me the lesson that you know if you're not in the right headspace and you haven't got the time, don't take the job. <laughs> What's the typical like duration for you to get a piece done? Um, well, I think I sent you a time lapse video, <laughs> one that I did for you. When I said I've broken my record, <laughs> yeah. that was about thirteen hours, I think. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I reckon like it's a good thing about the iPod; it sort of records everything you're doing. So I've been going back and checking how long things take me to do. But I'd say on average about 15 hours usually. Um, and that's, you know, taking breaks on and off. It's not, you know, getting up, having a cup of tea and then getting into it for 15 hours. <laughs> but see, I've found you, you really do need to, like, have breaks and go away and come back with fresh eyes and look at things again. And yeah. Reevaluate whether you've just created a typical floating headpiece or... <laughs> <laughs> Or if it actually looks like something good. <laughs> One of the questions that I wanted to ask is, w with both of us kind of like existing within and working within the underground, uh, you have f screeners of films sent to you all the time um, uh, with people saying, hey, can you make art for my film? And I was wondering, uh, what are some titles uh, that you've seen that kind of surprised you, either in a good way or a bad way, where you're like, well, it went in a direction I didn't expect, or it just seems like something something that's significant, that's memorable to you, that you've had shown to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh man, 
Well, straight off the bat, um, I had one sent to me a couple of days ago from uh, Michael Todd Schneider, you know, maggots. Yeah. Um, cause we've, we've been communicating a lot, and uh, and he sent me a screener of his recuts of um, And Then I Helped, mm-hmm. which I had never seen before anyway. Um, but that one just went in all kinds of directions I wasn't expecting. <laughs> and I thought that was fantastic by the end of it. I really need to sit and watch it again because I couldn't soak it all up. Um, so, that, so that's that's a good one. Um, and, and even when I saw your first cuts of the Degenerates, I'm not doing this just because we're talking, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first cut of the Degenerates before, I mean, I've not actually seen the new cut since you've degraded it all and, and completed it. But, you know, just even that first cut, I was like, wow, this is something. Thank you. Um, Appreciate that. Yeah, no, big time. <laughs> and um, I mean, I've, I've seen some god awful ones, of course I have. But <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to name and shame. <laughs> uh, what else did I see? Oh man, it'll come back to me. But and I know I, I got sent the screener of um, the taxidermist from Luke Raymer, and then that one um, I really enjoyed straight off the bat as well. I thought I was real. That was a lot better than I was expecting for an indie indie film. Um, but yeah, it's, it swings and roundabouts, you know. It's um, and I'd, I'd I'd never refused to do a job because I didn't like the film. Um, you know, that wouldn't be very professional. I guess if it was morally repugnant, <laughs> this is coming from me. <laughs> um, if it was morally repugnant, and I thought it would cause a lot of trouble, I, I wouldn't do it. Um, but I've, I've not had to. I've not been in that position yet, thankfully. Yeah, early early on when we first started working together, we uh, I sent you a screener for that movie Canary Methanatus that I didn't put out, and I was I was nervous <laughs> about your reaction <laughs> to that movie. <laughs> yeah, I'll stop myself mentioning that one. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that, Martin and I were that, gonna... that, was, that was on the line. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was a movie called Canary Mothanatos that I was gonna put out that involves a guy fucking a rabbit carcass, and uh, it didn't come. It didn't come out, but Martin did make some art for it. So, I think you and I yeah. are the only people in the whole world that have have that film. <laughs> yeah, and I think from seeing your from seeing your house tour, I think I've got the only copy with my artwork. Uh, yeah, I I have a vial. We haven't gotten to that to, to like my last video. I've got the vial collection, the vial video collection, and I've got your art in that one too. So, I've got. Okay. I made myself two copies of Canary Methanatos, one with the original art, and then one with your art. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was an interesting movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did question myself after making that one. <laughs> um. Well, we're kind of at the tail end, and I want to talk about your book that you just put out um, and how you got in contact with Nico and that whole process. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's out uh, now through uh, Serial Pleasures, through Nico Close um, Publishing Company. And, uh, I mean, that, that whole process, I'd, I'd actually, five years ago, I crowdfunded um, – an art book um through kickstarter and just just sort of i had everything there and people have been saying how do we get prints of this and can i have copies of that so i thought well i'll just put a book together um and and it was a successful uh funding i think um i I was saved at the last minute by my good friend samuel vinesi He, he sort of swept in within an hour to go and and finished the funding for me god bless him um, and, and it was the whole process of, you know, sort of, I'm, I'm no good at self promotion and, and putting myself out there and begging for money basically. So I, although it was a success and, and the copies got out there and everybody loved it, I was, I was over the years, people have been saying, well, you should do an extended one by now. You've done enough work to fill another book. And the thought of, going back there and doing all that work it's it was just too much of a hassle um but i've I've been in touch with 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 nico um 
he's, he's an interesting guy. He really does interest me, and his art's fantastic. Um, and he has his own publishing company, so he sort of put a shout out. You know, anybody that wants to release books through my company, get in touch. So I thought, well, it's probably a perfect opportunity to to let somebody else do the work for me, <laughs> which he has, and he's and he's done a great job. He's he's very professional, and he's he's knocked this thing out, and it looks fantastic. Um, it, it's a lot better than the first edition, and I've I've updated a lot of art in there, and um, a lot of very kind people that have worked with me, like like yourself, have put <laughs> quotes and testimonials in there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's out through Serial Pledges at the moment, um, and um, because I can't physically sign copies over there in France, I've sent a whole bunch of uh, really nice stock, thick quality paper A5 art cards of Adora work and the necromantic stuff, and I've signed those, so they're going to be included in certain versions of the book. That's um, awesome. So yeah, I think that's is it serialpledges dot com. Yeah, I believe I believe it's dot com. Yeah. So yeah, that that's out there. Um, if if you're interested, if you just want to, you know, a uh, nice toilet book. Um, <laughs> so three, it... three and a half brown stars out of five. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> How much of of it consists of like? Did you pick and choose the uh, art pieces that are in it, or does it consist of all of the pieces that you've done so far? Um, I've had to pick and choose a few. There's a there's a few that I couldn't put in there. Um, there's a few that haven't been um, announced yet that I couldn't really put in there. Uh, but but mainly it's it's sort of certain parts of the first book which I didn't want to lose because I think that gives an overall you know flavor of, of me and what I do um, so I've, I've kept certain parts of the first book in there and then I've I've filled it with work that I've done over the last five years um, which yeah I have sort of had to cherry pick a bit um, but I think at every vile video release except Thanatos oh no actually I think I put Thanatos in there <laughs> people might say that one now <laughs> well that's cool yeah, part of it's part of our history. Yeah, so. yeah. I put a whole viral video section in there. Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. So, yeah, <laughs> that is part of that. And yeah, so there's a lot of you know the the Bukgarite work, the Dora work. Um, there's a lot of unreleased stuff. There's stuff I did with uh, Phil Stevens, uh, Ryan Nicholson, um, various companies I work for. Yeah, so it's it's a, it's a very good. Um, uh, sort of combination of, of work of everything I've done over the last twenty years, probably. Well, that's awesome. I'm I'm really glad that you have something like archiving all the work that you've been doing within the underground over this over this period of time. It's yeah, gotta be a, it's gotta yeah, be a great word, It was all about archiving and, <laughs> and yeah, just having it all in one place for people to go and look at if they want to. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little plug for both of us, and then I'm and then I'm gonna pass it over to you, and you can plug your stuff. But your most recent work that you've done for me is for Symbolicus Volume Two, and the pre-order for that is going to be on uh, March March first. So if you want a copy of Vile Video's release of Symbolicus Volume Two with Martin Trafford's amazing artwork, definitely get your hands on a copy of it. But if you liked this conversation and you want to get in contact with Martin and, and check out all of the stuff he's doing, how can they contact you? Uh, yeah, but you can contact me either on Facebook or Instagram um, at Trafart. So that's T-R-A-F-F-A-R-T. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today, and I am excited to work with you more in the future and uh i hope you have a good rest of your day man yeah you too <laughs> thanks mike thank you <laughs> all right bye bye thank you for listening to this episode of the uneasy terrain explorers club if you're interested in checking out some of my other work please visit my youtube channel cinemas underbelly 
where I analyze and review extreme underground cinema. Also, follow me on my socials, Putrid Prod for Twitter, Putrid Productions for TikTok, and Putrid underscore Productions for Instagram. Until next time, this is the Unusy Terrain Explorers Club.